Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1020. Success really begins with a strategy. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Mark Lambert. Hey, Mark, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready for it, Mark. Thank you so much. I appreciate the, the privilege of being on the, on the show. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Mark Lambert is the owner of Lambert Auto, where he specializes in servicing preservation cars, restorations, and tour preparations on American and European classic sports cars and race cars. He has over 40 years of experience and is an Indianapolis native. His grandfather owned a successful Ford-based racing team back in the 20s and 30s. His father taught him the value of driving and maintaining old cars. Lambert Auto is featured in the first of author Bill Berg's best-selling book series, Ultimate Garages, and Mark is a veteran judge at several national Concours events, including Pebble Beach and Hershey. So, Mark, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your business and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Well, yeah, I'd love to, Mark. And 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 first, let me let me point out it, it really is it really is great fun to be on the telephone with you this morning. I've I've uh, looked at your site. I've I've seen the the very very significant body of work that you've put together. And I I urge everybody listening today to take that afternoon or the evening when you got your feet up on your desk and log on. It, it's a, just an amazing archive. Well, thank so, you very much. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And thanks you for bet. having me You're on. welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, it's I'm, great uh, to have you here. Oh, thanks, Mark. I'm essentially a mechanic, Mark. That's that's what I do. I, I love mechanical systems. I love fixing things. I enjoy the uh, the, the chase of chasing down not just the, the symptoms, but uh, but fixing the problems. And I've always been that way. I've been that way since I was a kid, ever since I can remember I I grew up in a car family, as you mentioned, and it was a, a topic of conversation. You know, what's going on with any number of things mechanical? It might be a car, it might be a toaster or somebody's uh, helicopter, you know, anything. <laughs> we, we had a lot of great conversation on how to, how to prepare ourselves to, to fix things. Later, you know, later in life, having grown up in Annapolis, I, uh, as a kid, I would go to the Indianapolis 500 with my dad, and he was a he was a great race fan as as his dad was. I'll always remember being in a room one time on uh, Carburation Day, and Al Unser was in there, the great racer Al Unser. Oh wow! And uh, he was just talking, and I was about eleven, I guess, something like that, 1968, 69. The interviewer asked him a question, kind kind of like you're doing. You asked your uh, your guests a lot of questions and you know what this feels like and al kind of rubs his chin and he kind of looks at the guy and he says well there's there's two kind of people there's 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 wrenchers and there's go fasters <laughs> and he says i'm a go faster <laughs> i'm a go oh yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that always stuck with me it's uh, a go guess, faster you know i don't I don't go all that fast, but I am a wrencher. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And a very great wrencher, too. And you work on some of the best cars. I, I love the uh, era of cars that you work on. They're some of my favorites, sports cars and classic race cars and things like that. And we're going to learn a lot more about you, Mark, as we continue on your journey. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of meaning that has some importance to you. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Mark, take the wheel. Wow, a mantra. I don't know. I'm kind of a Western culture guy. I don't know a lot about Eastern <laughs> Eastern stuff, but I, I know a little bit about success. So I guess to answer the question, uh, success really begins with a strategy. I mean, it's uh, a lot of people approach it on what to do. I, I have always been taught and, and learned to approach success or approach a problem primarily with what not to do. What do you avoid? What don't you do? 
don't be a dummy. <laughs> don't don't foul <laughs> yeah, it that, up. that helps, doesn't uh, it? <laughs> you know, it, you you start with your arms really wide out, and then you narrow up, and that you do that sort of mentally and solve a problem. So, uh, you know, you recognize that your number one asset is your health. You mm. don't risk it. You yeah. understand that being successful in life is using finances and money as a tool. Mm-hmm. So you pay you pay cash for things. There are a few exceptions, but you pay cash because. You know, if you can't pay cash for it, you can't afford it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely. what I grew up knowing. And yeah, it, absolutely. It, after you figure out what you're not going to do, then let's talk about what you're going to do. And mm. I think that people talk about, you know, they generally have some kind of word like passion or driven or something in, in giving advice to young people, which... I often find myself doing, Mark, I, I swim almost every day. I'm, I'm, I'm over on Vanderbilt's campus using mm-hmm. their great swim facility, and, and I'm in the proximity of a lot of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they often talk about things that the words don't make, a, they're nonsense words. They don't make a lot of, a lot of sense when you apply them to a real-world situation. You have to... You have to follow everything up with action. Yes. So if you want some sort of a, of a distillation of how to be successful, after you figure out what you're not going to do, then you show up on time, ready to work, and really whatever your interest, my case it's cars, and, but whatever your interest, if you're smart and you're strategic and you plan, then your success is, is guaranteed. Very well said. Yeah, make a plan, then work the plan. So uh, I think all of that has great wisdom in it. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Growing up in a family where cars were part of life and important, and of course your grandfather's involvement in race cars and living in Indianapolis, one of the capitals of the famous race days, Race places, what is a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? I know it was very, very young in life, Mark. I, I certainly chose the right family to be a car guy. My, as <laughs> yes. you mentioned, my grandfather, my grandfather was a, a farm kid in the 1870s and 80s, way back. Uh, there was a promise of a better life because cars were in their infancy, the entire industry was just beginning and he made the move and my dad grew up in a race shop and a used car lot so it started from the moment i i arrived but i think a moment in my life would be or a defined moment would be a i was riding i was riding my bike one time through a shopping center not too far from our house and i saw what i learned much later was an austin healy i was uh-huh. about i guess i was about 7 seven or eight. My brother and I had been working on bicycles and he had a mini bike. I didn't have a mini bike, but we had, you know, we grew up in the, in the suburbs that was just starting to grow on the North side of Indy. So it was still wide open. We would, mm-hmm. we would ride our bikes with our, with our 22 rifles or our BB guns with us all the time. Yeah. You know. Different times <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I'm riding along and I see this amazing car. It's a. Turns out it's a. It's an Austin Healey. It's a little. Um, it's a big Healey, three thousand. And uh, mm-hmm. later, you know, of course, I found out a lot more about it when I started to do this professionally. But uh, I remember the guy worked at Ace Hardware. It was an old English white Healey with red panels. And I nice. remember. I remember that feeling, Mark, that you get only once or twice in your life. It might happen with a. A, a car or a, a thing of significance in your life, a, a person, a woman, you know, you just stop and you think, this is otherworldly. This is, this is really, this is really, uh, yeah. What is thing. this thing? Yeah. And I walked around it and, you know, from any angle, the thing looked right to me. And I really was, I was about, I was about seven or eight, maybe eight. And, uh, the guy at that moment as, the stars would align. He walked out and he questioned me. He just kind of looked at me because I was looking and he lit this car up and he put the key in. He had a zipper tonneau. He pulled uh-huh. the tonneau back 
and he gets in it and he punches the button on the left there, the starter button, and it lights up. And I knew in my infancy of automotive experience, I knew it wasn't runner night. It just sounded terrible. And it mm. didn't it didn't work. You know, the whole the image, the 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 optics didn't work with the acoustics in yeah. my head. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I, and I remember, I was still on my bike. There. I was kind of at his driver's door. I said, what's wrong with it? And he kind of gave me a bad look, you know? <laughs> like this, yeah, like, oh, man. What kind of this a kid, kid comes up and, you know. Yeah, that's because he knew over. something wasn't right anyway. <laughs> well, it wasn't right. And he showed me what I later I later knew was a tricarb setup. He, he, oh, he popped yeah. the hood open. He went around in front. And then I, I just kind of signed off. You know, he was futzing with the car. But I knew... At that moment, I knew I can probably fix that thing. I could make that thing run better because I understood. Cool. I understood that stuff. Thank, thank yeah. you forever. Thank you to my dad and my brother, uh, my older brother, yeah. who was uh, at. Uh, you know, we had the, the typical sibling rivalries, but he was really, really kind to me when it came to explaining stuff. As was my dad. So yeah. I, I wow. guess it was that moment. I was about seven, and I thought, you know, I'm, I, I need. I'm going to be a mechanic. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Well, thanks for taking us back to that moment in time. I can see that Healy sitting there and hear that thing just a little <laughs> off kilter, just blah, 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 you know, not running quite oh, right. Just, but, uh, you know, like yeah. it had a stuck valve in it. Well, you've been in business for yourself for a long time and being an entrepreneur is fraught with ups and downs, challenges and failures. So I'd love for you to just walk us through one that really kind of tested you. But more importantly, how did you overcome the situation and what did it teach you? Challenges. I, I Mark, I think my I think my greatest challenge in in my career came after I left a, a corporation and decided to become self employed. Mm, yes, cars were were always my interest. I went through school. I, I, actually, I was an English major. I think that today, looking back on it, it couldn't have happened any better. Young people have to have command of the language. They have to learn to communicate effectively. You have to be in a position of power and show integrity when you're talking with someone, or you're not going to be any any value to the conversation or to your listener. That was really important to me. And I, you know, what does an English major do? You you teach English or something. Well, I didn't have any interest in teaching English, so I changed to a business major later in my college career. And graduated with a, uh, a marketing and management degree, and then I went to work for a corporation. I was in the position that a lot of people right now, this moment, they might be listening to this podcast. They may be in this position. It's not a good fit. Mm, yeah. They're surrounded by things that they, they don't have much control over. Sometimes they have the responsibility of doing something, but they don't have the authority to do it. It, mm. it, it creates a lot of stress in life. Yes. And they, they go home at night and they tell their spouses or any number of people, gee, I wish I could escape. I wish I could do. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could be like you. I wish I could have my own company. Yeah. I wish I could do what Mark Green did. <laughs> 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 yes. It's frightening, Mark. It's it's a big jump, not just financially, but emotionally and, and stress-wise. You've at least got a situation that's a known situation. Yeah, it's miserable. I didn't like getting up in the morning going to job, but they're going to cut me a check, and it's a good check. So I think that moment when it, it dawns on you that you've got to I, – I know it, it, it was in my case back in 85 – I just thought this is a golden moment, a great opportunity. The industry at that time, the restoration industry is in great shape. There's a lot of people coming into the hobby. I think that it's going to go for a while. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. Yeah. And I left the corporation. I had a little bit of money saved, not much. Mark, I was a month behind on work the first week. Wow. People just, <laughs> people were so nice and kind. What are you doing? You're, what, are you, what kind of car is that? Oh, my uncle's got one of those. <laughs> nice. It's a very small company that I, that I have, but I've always maintained control over my product, my service. Right. And that is an amazing 
position to be in because it gives you the ability not to worry about advertising. Mm. Your customers work for you. They advertise. Yeah. And I'm happy to say, you know, it's been 30 odd years and, I, and I've never caught up. I've never been able to catch up. <laughs> well, it's a, <laughs> it's an awesome story. And I, I think the takeaway I have from this is, you know, when you're in a position, a situation, a job, a career, when you're unhappy and you can talk yourself out of that all day long from the security, so-called security, but lots of times that security is really not real. Uh, at any moment, that company could do something out of your control and go under, or they could decide to downsize or outsource or do whatever companies do, and what you thought was very secure isn't. And so I always tell people, you, whatever you think you should be doing, you should have started it earlier and just start doing it. And even if you have to do it on the side, I call sidepreneurs, people that, you know, evenings and weekends, instead of watching TV or going to the ball game. You work on yourself and your business, and eventually it'll grow into something. And that's my takeaway from from your situation, is you've got to take that step. But make sure at any given point in your life, you're not in a position to where you can't. That means live below your means, save your money for that rainy day, which could be the day you decide to start your own business. And don't get yourself into that situation, which so many people do. So... We're all glad you did that. I'm sure you've never looked back. That rearview mirror is getting smaller and smaller as you look out of the the windshield and uh, look forward. Let's shift gears and go to what I call the other end of the spectrum, an aha moment in your business when you realize, yes, this is the direction I need. I think it, too, was was fairly early on, Mark. You, um, I, I think back on on the, the pivotal moments. I think the pivotal moment for me was was uh, making the math work even better. And, and as you said, it has to make sense. Sometimes it makes sense to do kind of a sideline job for a while and move into it. For me, it was just a hard break. I just stopped and I went to cars full time. It just happened to work for me because I had I looked hard at the math. Yes. And don't let this trip you up, young people. Look very, very hard at the math and then consolidate expenses and maximize the income while you're doing exactly what you want to do. It may not seem to you that the market is wide enough to support your activity, but I think I would be hard-pressed to, to, to think of an exception where you wouldn't have a wide enough market. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care if you're, you're enthralled by pre-war tachometers, and that's all you want to do. You just want to work on tractometer drive mechanisms. You know, yep. Something crazy like that. Yeah. You're going to have all that. I, hell, I can give you a lot of business right now. <laughs> there you go. So, There's an opportunity right you know, there. Don't, don't be afraid of that, but focus on what's realistic. What is the, what is the realistic math behind this thing? Yeah. I think the, the moment came when I bought the fire hall, Mark. Uh, Nashville had built a structure one of many around Nashville as they were growing in the 1920s and 30s, they built a fire hall on the west side of town here in 1935. In their wisdom, you know, (laughs) mercifully, uh, the city of Nashville said, you know, that old place, that's kind of, kind of small. And it's been run down a little, let's build a new one, Mm -hmm. you know, let's spend some other people's money and build a new one. Easy to do. They did. (laughs) Yeah. And they built a new fire hall down the way. And, they auctioned this one at a sealed bid auction, which was really interesting. Shenanigans and everything. You know, it's the South. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a very healthy uh, amount of sort of creative accounting that goes on down here. Well, it's <laughs> hey, anywhere in government, I think they do creative accounting. <laughs> anyway, they sold this thing, and I was lucky enough to buy it. And that's what I mean by consolidating your expenses. If you're living somewhere and commuting, and having to pay rent somewhere else to work, yeah. take a good close look at that because those are the big expenses. Yeah. And I, I think it was that moment that I really chased this thing, Mark. I was noted as a stranger when I showed up at this sealed bid auction by the powers that be. And they said, hmm, who is who in the world is this guy? Sure. Maybe we should postpone this thing. And they did. <laughs> And, you know, trying to hide. Well, how do you hide? A, uh, you know, so yeah. that just made me more curious. Sure. So I kept doing it and 
kind of chasing where this auction was going to be, take place and what government building on what floor with a broken elevator. And I have to, you know, chase this thing down. And I finally got to the right room at the right time months later and got it purchased. And I remember leaving that building thinking, this is it. Now, now I can concentrate on what I love to do and do it in an unencumbered way because I'm going to live there too. Yeah. Live there. Ah. I'm going to work there because they had 17 guys living there in the thirties. I think there's enough, enough room, room for a bedroom. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a pretty ingenious way to think about starting a business. And a lot of people, you know, nowadays, I mean, the, with the internet and so forth, I mean, I work from my house. I got for decades, I commuted on busy roads and wasted so much of my time. And now I commute down the hallway. I've never worn out a pair of uh, slippers and now I wear out slippers instead of tires. Uh, which is kind of nice, but uh, yeah, find some creative ways yeah, to make yeah. the make the math work. That's the great takeaway here. And you know, the math has to go along. I'm sorry to interrupt. the The math has to go along with something that makes sense too. In in my case, it was a no- what are you selling? I'm I'm essentially selling knowledge, and I'm and I'm following that up with some physical activity that that sort of invokes that knowledge. And in my case, I grew up knowing that the American classics were the best cars ever made. They were, you know, they're the product of a really interesting time. They're the height of engineering. They're the height of comfort. They're the height of durability. You had a moment in time when it was, you had very highly engaged workers with a lot of integrity building these cars. Right with an, a very honest product and a very knowledgeable buyer. So I guess the backside of the aha moment and figuring out that the place I was going to work is just part of that. What I was going to do that's so important, that's so important today, Mark, is to recognize something. And that is that fuel systems, let's just look at fuel system for, for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Fuel systems in the 1930s were based on a product that was, by today's standards, just, it's almost past the level of silly. It's up into the category of ridiculously sort of underdeveloped, Mm -hmm. under-refined. You you couldn't even find gasoline today that's as bad as it was in the 30s. (laughs) The stuff at the pump today that you're putting in your car from the standpoint of performance, that would have been used at the speedway. Yeah, race fuel. That would have been used in in airplane races. It's a, it's so amazing. So we we look at these products, and my customers want a, a really authentic experience. They want to drive their cars. I'm more of a driving mechanic, mm-hmm. and uh, they realize that in order to drive this thing, you've got to you've got to update it in some ways. Part of that update, Mark, is understanding that modern fuel acts very, very different from old fuel. And as a result, the cars of the 30s, 40s, 50s, even in the 60s, by today's standards and, and the standards of physics and logic, they're massively over-carbureted sometimes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I do is just focus on a car and look at it from the standpoint of what we have today. We have great lubricants, we have great fuel, and you dial it back and you have that engine consuming that in a healthy way. Generally, it's dialing way back on the fuel, and then you can advance the spark curve. And understanding all this takes a car that is perhaps from the early 30s, and the customer says, well, you know, it kind of drives like a truck, but that's just the way they feel. Mm. Well, no, they didn't. Right. Yeah, exactly. And more importantly... It'll feel very light and lithe on its feet if you dial these things in and if you, if you make the animal consume its power in a healthy way. If you make the engine use the fuel that's available today and you advance that curve up, the ignition curve up, mm-hmm. to, to get into that cam and to use everything you've got when you propel that piston up and down, that's going to feel like a totally different car. People get in my own cars, which I've had years to, you know, monkey around with, and they said, it's a great compliment. They said, Lambert, I have never, what are you running in this thing? Yeah. I've never, I've got one identical to this, and mine never feels this way. Right. Said, well, it, it did when it was new. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Very fascinating. So that's yeah. a long and drawn out sort of uh, realizing that that is an understanding that's within my grasp. That's what I'm going to sell. So what am I going to sell and where am I going to sell it? Because those two questions have to be answered. Nothing happens until somebody serves someone else in the marketplace. Nothing happens, in my case, until I sell something. But you have to be of service to your fellow comrades that are in the market to, to buy things. Yes. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's a healthy, vibrant human interaction. Yep. And a lot of people, they forget about that. It kind of tricks them up. They say, oh, that guy, that guy made too much money when he sold that house. No, he didn't. He made the exact right amount of money. Right. Because the buyer <laughs> ponied up the money, and he relinquished the rights of the house. Exactly. It was exactly right. Yep. Yep. No, very well said. I agree. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car. What was it? Oh, my first car. First, well, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this with first special I, car, the car that had great meaning well, you know, for you. It's still my first car, Mark. Okay. It would have to be, um, well, there's a couple of them. I mean, my first car was a car that my dad was so helpful. He, uh, he knew that I loved T-Series MGs, and I'm about 12 or 13, so it's about 1969 or 70. He said, oh, I've, I found a TC an MGTC, which I was wild about, you know, the looks of a TC. And I'd, I'd seen a couple of them and heard them and sat behind the, the wheel of a, of a guy that had a TD in the neighborhood. And I just, I just wanted one of these cars. And of course, we're a crazy car family. There's nothing wrong with a, a, a 10 or 11, 12-year-old owning a car. Sure. <laughs> so, so I had a paper out. I had some money. So I said, well, can you, can you go, you know, check it out? It was in another city. It was up in Chicago. He said, yeah. And we did the whole thing and he drove it home. Bless his heart. He drove it home from, from Chicago to the north side of Indianapolis. Took hours and hours. Yeah. It, as I found out later, it had a blown head gasket and was running on power of two cylinders. Yeah. He pulls up the driveway in a TF. A TF? <laughs> a TF. And I said, I said, dad. You know, I put my hand on my forehead and I said, Dad, this is a TF. This isn't a TC. TC. Yeah. He said, well, you know, hell, it, it, here it is. It's an MG. And yeah. He gave me the keys, you know. Yeah. So, and it turned out to be the very best thing because, of course, everybody knows, you know, a TC is a 40-mile-an-hour car and a, a TF is a 65-mile-an-hour car. I was so going to say, driving a TC... A all the way from Chicago, the north side. Yeah. Of, that's a tough drive in a car like that. My dad, oh, my dad had a '49 TC. I know what those are like. Yeah, I mean they were they were they were really nice little roller skates. Even a TF is, and that and I kept that car for a long time. I kept it for 35 years. Wow! And I know who owns it today. It's just it's just a great car. It was a great car to learn on. Yeah, I think my generation of enthusiasts often. Uh, had the pleasure of learning cars on British cars. They were plentiful. The British owned such a huge slice of that market. The market now uh, sort of owned by what Mazda and the Japanese builders. Back then it was a British market and they had something like 80% of that market. So a lot of these cars were available. They were inexpensive for many years. They still are inexpensive in real dollars. Sure. And uh, it's a great way to learn. Yeah, they are. How about so? That was uh, that was that was the one. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there one you let go that you wish you had back? Mark, I can't think of any seller's remorse because I I just I don't sell much. (laughs) There you you go. Have my high school car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I've had. I don't know what you would call it. Some sort of remorse. I had that TF the first year or so, and I was. I actually had a license by this time, so it must have been about two or three years after I bought it. I was parked at a at another place in Indy. Of course, you saw all kinds of great stuff around Indy. Guy pulls up next to me in a 260 Cobra, AC Cobra. <laughs> he says, man, nice TF. And we chit-chat a little bit, you know. And it was a ragged-out Cobra. I remember looking at those those seats. They're kind of barrel-shaped in the back, and you kind of lay down in them. Yep. This just torn up, shredded black leather, kind of a faded down, just beautifully faded down silver paint. And of course, in, in my naivete, I, 
I thought, well, that's, you know, that's a nice looking car, but kind of, it needs a restoration. Yeah. <laughs> and that moment, that moment, the guy said, I really like that car. I'll trade you even. I'll what? trade you even up. And I said, well, I don't know. Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> and he ended up kind of hanging out a little bit and looking at my car. And, you know, in my stupidity all these years later, I, I walked in and did whatever business I had to do at that place that I had driven to. And when I came out, he was gone. Mm. That was the moment where I thought, you know, that thing's got a V8 in it. It's, I know it's fast. I don't think I'll be in too much trouble if I, if I trade this thing. And I went out with that intent and his car was gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, well. That was, I don't, there's some remorse there. I don't know what it is, but yeah. uh, it was a, it was a move that I learned a lot from. Mm-hmm. I learned that when you go to a swap meet and you see a part, you pick it up and you keep it with you until you pay for it. You don't pay it up and put it back down. Right. When there's a deal to be had and it's, it's in your favor, at least perceived that way. You move through, yeah. do it. Yeah. I'm involved in real estate today and I'm constantly uh, having uh, these stories, you know, thrown at me. Oh, I should have bought that house. Well, you know, put, give the guy some money and tie it up in a deposit and get your, get your finances together. So right. young people listening, if you see an opportunity and you need some time, display some what they say in legal language, consideration, display some consideration, mm-hmm. write the guy a thousand dollar check, give him $500, get a, get a, get a little signed receipt from him received of, you know, Mark green, $500 down payment on the, uh, whatever it is, tie it up and then get your ducks in a row and then go back and buy it because you'll have things in life that you and opportunities that you will look back on and, and be remorseful if you don't do that. But do it in a business-like manner. You're buying an option to buy whatever it is. Just buy the option. There you go. Don't walk away and say, hey, I'll call you back in a day or so because it's going to be gone. Yeah. yeah. Great advice. I love it. Well, what are you working on these days that has you really excited and fired up? Mark, there's so many things that come through the shop. On the shop side, I've got a uh, a really nice, 34 Packard uh, Dietrich Victoria that's just wrapping up and it's it's coming together really nice. On my side, I love I love Packards if I haven't said that because they have they have a not just a beauty but an integrity about them that really is uh, head and shoulders above many of the contemporary cars of the 1930s. They start well, they handle well. Mostly, they have really good brakes, mm-hmm. and a lot of people. They don't think about this consciously, but uh, give it some thought. If you have great brakes on a car, then it gives you the confidence to use the car fully. And if you have poor brakes, the inverse is true. Mm, Yes. So to answer the question, I'm working on a 645 uh, Dietrich four-door open car. They call it a Phaeton, Mm -hmm. a sport Phaeton. Yes. And this is a really neat car because it was with its former owner for many, many years. I serviced the car, got to know the car really well, and I had a chance to acquire the car, and I did that. And I'm just now getting through uh, the mechanicals on it so I can really drive it. Nice. Nice. Ah, can't wait to see pictures of that. Well, that leads me to a very introspective question for you, Mark. If you were a vehicle, what would you be and why? I mean, that just stumps me. I don't I don't really know how to uh, how to answer that, Mark. It's kind of a... Whose house would you be if you were a house? I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I think it comes down to, you know, we invoke our own emotions and we, we try to sort of put them into inanimate objects. And that's why cars sell. And, and as we chatted before, it's so amazing that the personalities of people are really the central part of this hobby and business and you associate cars with certain people. So if I, if I answered the question, it would have to be because I associate a, a car uh, with a certain person, somebody that I admire or somebody that, you know, was significant in my life. Mm-hmm. But that's, a, that's probably about as close as I can get. I just, I really can't get uh, much more defined than that. If I were 
you know, a pair of shoes or, or a house or anything else. I just, I don't know if <laughs> well, I can those go are there. boring, <laughs> not like cars, you know? I mean, here's the way I think about this is narrowing it down. So are you more akin to think of yourself as a touring car or a sports car? I guess I'm more of a touring car guy. Okay. I'm, 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 I like the idea of the, I like the emotions of, of having a car working well beneath me that can do anything yeah. that seems to be uh, of comfort at the appropriate times, but it can still get up and, and really move. So, so see, we're, sort of a, we're getting sort of closer. A touring, yeah. uh, you know, a Berliner or something like that. Some, some, you know, and I had an E-type coupe for, for decades that I drove pretty much as an everyday car. And uh, what a great car. I mean, a Series 1 E-Type Coupe, yep. and it fit me well, and it's one of the most dependable cars I've ever been around in my life, certainly wow. one that had been, I'd been associated with personally, because I just I went through and, and sort of recognized some of, the, uh, some of the realities of that build. It necessitated a relatively inexpensive build process on some of the, some of the systems, and you just go back through and, and sort those out. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that gets close to the answer or not, but I don't know. Maybe a maybe a Packard touring car and there you go. or something okay. like that. Something that's 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 really uh, really fun to be in and around, but it works well. There you go. The car has to work well. So many people come into this hobby and then they exit, Mark, because they they come in under the the illusion that if they have a car and they paint it and make it look nice, then it's going to, it's going to behave. <laughs> yeah. And they kind of forget about the mechanicals and then it bites them a couple of times and they move on. And I guess you could say, well, they weren't, they weren't really car people. I hear about it because I'm the person they call just before they're exiting. Mm. You know, I've had it with this car, Mark. Yeah. My wife and I broke down the other night. I bought it from this high-end dealership. I paid what I later discovered was market plus thirty percent, and all it does is break down. Yeah, yeah. And you have to you have to slow them down and say, "Well, wait a minute. It's just physics." Sure. Can you walk up and down the stairway? There's a lot of physics going on, and you can do that successfully. So we can make this car work. Yeah. All we do is look at the physics. It's something very simple. There's there's seventy five thousand parts in this car. And only about 150 of them fail regularly. So it's one of those. Mm -hmm. And we'll fix it. Well, that's the key of finding a great mechanic. <laughs> that's for sure. And, and it, the good part it of it. It can't be. You have to remove. That's the, that's the moment where you disconnect and remove yourself from the emotion. The emotion side is very, very important and very useful for all parties when you're, you're talking about passion and attractiveness to the idea. But then to think the car is attacking you, <laughs> to think that it has, it's imbued with some kind of human emotion and it's going to break. Oh, let's pray. It doesn't break. Yeah. The car's not going to listen to your prayers. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. Somebody will, but the car ain't. No, the so, car will do what it does. You know, you really have to uh, figure out what's going on in order to, to navigate this whole hobby and business successfully. And when you do, it's just going to be an amazing experience. There you go. Well, Mark, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Garcia sponsors. Hey, this is Mark Green. You know, I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school. That was way back in 1975. This month, I'm offering you, as a Cars Yow listener, a very special deal. Starting April 16th, 2018, through April 30th, 2018, you'll receive 10% off all NOAA Fabric custom car covers and 10% off all Wolf ready-fit semi-custom covers. Simply use the code CARSYOW upon checkout at Covercraft.com. NOAA is the most popular outdoor fabric specially made by Kimberly Clark to protect your special vehicle. It provides maximum protection from the harmful UV rays of the sun, rain, dust, those nasty bird droppings, snow, dings, and it's breathable, and it's very soft on your paint. 
Wolf Ready Fit Semi Custom Covers are an economical option and provide indoor and outdoor protection for your special car. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me later, and your car will thank me too. That's Covercraft.com, and be sure to use the code CARSYEAH at checkout. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Mark, we are entering the last lap. This is where I fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. Well, what's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Probably the best automotive advice I've ever received is repair it as if it's your own. Yes, very good. Listen to your mechanic. You have a higher (laughs) standard than anybody else. Do it to your standard and everybody else will be served. Absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? Gee, any number of those, Mark. Probably, uh, Probably listening learning to listen well. You listen very, very well. There's a lot of great information out there that people are trying to give you if you'll just stop talking and listen. Listen to your customers. Listen to the people that you serve. My nature gave you two ears and one mouth and not the reverse. Do you have a resource (laughs) that you'd like to share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Oh, boy, Mark, so many. There, you know, that's the ma- amazing thing about our industry, old cars, collector cars, whatever you want to term it, call it. An amazing resource that I urge everybody to look at is the ACD Museum mm. up in uh, Auburn, Indiana, the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Museum. It goes far beyond the Cord Corporation, but if you own one of those cars, that'll be of particular interest. The AACA has an amazing archive. It's one that approaches the car is yeah body of work. Let's put it that way. Well, that's very, that's very but, kind of you to say. <laughs> it, it, it's an amazing thing. And, and it's all free. Friend David Steele over at the American Hot Rod Foundation has put together an amazing sort of industry site where you can really go into that site from any direction and find something of service there. The American Hot Rod Foundation. There's so many groups that have a dedicated site, a body of information. That's the wonderful thing about existing today at this moment in this golden moment in this industry and hobby, because we've got the internet and we can access all this stuff cheap and easy. Absolutely. And speaking of the Auburn Court Duesenberg Automotive Museum, Ethan Browns, who's the archive manager there, has been a guest on Cars Yow. He was on the show middle of last year. So uh, go back and check that out. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink, with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? Oh, boy. Call East Grand Avenue and get me a drink with Alvin McCauley. I, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think that would be really an amazing half hour or so just to listen to see how he navigated that company. And we're talking about the Packard Motor Corps company. Yes. Of course, he, yeah. he joined the com- company in the early teens and having done, I think he did a bit of time at the Burroughs, what is it, Business Machines? Mm. And then he went over to Packard and took some people with him. Yeah. But this is an amazing guy. He he recognized the changing market, and he brought Packard and probably helped them exist for an additional 20 years after most of his rivals uh, went down in flames in the 30s. Yeah, that amazing would be guy with a great story. Absolutely. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think others would enjoy reading as well? You know, it's a pretty obscure book that I would recommend, but I've recommended it before. 
a book written by a guy named Bill Milliken. Do you know who Bill is? Bill Milliken. Uh, Bill Milliken is designer and uh, engineer and also a sometimes race car driver and amateur enthusiast. He ran at Watkins Glen back in the early days. He wrote this amazing book, I think with his son, called Race Car Vehicle Dynamic. Now, this sounds really focused. Come on, Lambert. I'm not racing cars. I want to restore a car. You go through this book. It's riveting. It explains, you know, a car, think about this, Mark, a car is this thing that's flying through space. And you've got all these physics involved, tires, axial behaviors, aerodynamics. And this book pulls all this in together. What it gives you is a wide body of knowledge so you can dive in and repair whatever's going on in your car. You start with books like that. That was a life changer for me. I probably refer to that book once a month. Wow, cool. And I take it with me on trips, which is hard because it's a really big book. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you just you just dive in anywhere, and it's fascinating. Very so cool. So somebody needs to give that guy a medal for writing that book. There you go. Well, that's the first time that book's been recommended, which I'm really surprised because it is such a fantastic book. Do you, do you book. know the book, then? I know yeah. of the book. Yeah. I don't it have a copy. All the bases. Yeah, but it, yeah, very. it's a technical book, but uh, I, I don't think it's so, from what I've heard about it, it's not so technical that... An average guy like me couldn't read it and glean some valuable information from it. So, uh, absolutely, yeah. what it uh, what it offers in tech, technical value, it probably could use on the marketing side because it's really a clunky looking thing. Yeah, and like a textbook. To dive in, take some. Uh, it's a textbook. Yeah, yeah, textbook. It's like a school textbook. Yeah. Really, is what it is, and uh, yep. but lots yep. of information. Yep. Something that should be on every automotive enthusiast shelf. Well, listeners. You can find links to all these great resources on Mark's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYow.com, type in Mark Lambert, L-A-M-B-E-R-T, and that page will pop up. All right, Mark, this last question is the checkered flag question, and it can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet, but you can only have this one car in your garage. you got to drive it and enjoy it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, so that little trick's off the table. What's it going to be? Oh, my gosh. You're going to buy me anything, anything, anything Anything. in the entire century plus. Why don't you, why don't you source me and buy me the car of the dome? The what? And you, that's your job. No, just, that's all I'm going to tell you. The car of the dome. Don't you know that? The car of the dome. I'm sorry. You've got me stumped on this one. Yeah. In the, uh, the 1933 world's fair, uh, Packard was chosen as the epicenter of of the automotive exhibition and the building that they made. And they were charged with making some futuristic car, some car that's going to define the future in 1933 in Chicago at the World's Fair. And Macaulay and Vincent and these guys came up with this amazing car that that today survives. I don't think you could buy it for, uh, for money. I think you could probably trade something really significant for it. But that's your job. So I'm, I'll be waiting for for my car, the Dome. It's a, it's a, it's a 1933 Packard, uh, sort of a close-coupled sports sedan that is absolutely stunning. All and, right. Yeah, there are pictures. If it takes you a little while to buy it for me, just go look at the pictures in, instead. That car's been on the lawn at Pebble, hasn't it? It has. And, it has. And, and it was hard, hard to break away and go do my job in the other I think I was on open American classics that year. So yeah, that I, car really tore away. And that car's black. My brain's now starting to function properly. It's black. It's got a hood that goes on forever. Not. No, it does have a long hood. It's it's kind of an Egyptian bronze. Okay, and, I'm thinking you know, of a different a dark, car then. It's a dark bronze. Okay, with uh, that Carpathian elm uh, rear sort of bar area in it, where it has all all, all kinds of you know, drink mixtures and glasses and probably a cooling little cubby or something for you know, whatever you're, whatever you need when you're touring. Well, but yeah, it's, it is an amazing thing. And it was, uh, Ed McCauley was involved. That was, that's Alvin McCauley's son mm-hmm. in its design. And I think they, I think they hit it. They really defined what Packard was going to do for the next several years. Wow. Well, I will get to work. I've got to do my homework and uh, learn a little bit more about this car. Cause I, don't know nearly as much as I should, but you've got me intrigued. And for those listeners out there, uh, you can all go do a little research as well on the car of the dome, a 33 Packard. Yeah, sounds fantastic. This is going to be 
inexpensive at all, is it? <laughs> Holy cow. Thanks a lot, or, Mark. Or an A.J. Watson Roadster. That oh, would be, okay. That well, that might be a little a little yeah. bit easier. Cause That'll be a little cheaper. There you yeah. go. All right. Well, Mark, you've taken me on a great <laughs> ride today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 33 Packard, the car of the dome? The best best advice or wisdom that, that I can offer is take the time to sit and think quietly about your next step. Life is a chess game, and it all comes down to very small, sort of insignificant details and some luck. But you make your own luck. Make the right move. And to do that, you're going to have to think about it and strategize, what's my next best move? Yes. Do that, and you're, you're, you're nearly guaranteed success. Uh, great words of wisdom, and, and much like chess, sometimes you have to take a few steps back to take a big leap forward. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? Well, gee, I think uh, a lot of companies, a lot of guys would answer, you know, with a website and, and this other. I, I don't have any of that. I've got a telephone number okay. and a shop name. It's Lambert Auto in Nashville, Tennessee. Just look that up. Give me a call. I don't need the business, but I'd sure love to help you out if you need some help. That's the way I approach business. There you go. A handshake and a smile and a whole lot of knowledge. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything we've talked about again here on Mark's show notes page, carsyad.com. Just type in Mark Lambert. Mark, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. This has been great fun. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It was a real privilege. Much appreciated. (laughs) You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp., Member FINRA SIPIC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!